So here we are once again. It is the Transfer Daily podcast from The Athletic. This is Adam Leventhal. It is January the 15th. So we are halfway through this transfer window and we thought we'd do something a little bit different today. Uh, We're coming live and direct, ladies and gentlemen, from The Athletic HQ, which if you didn't know already is in London Bridge and it means that we can tap in to so many of the writers that are here tapping away on their laptops as we speak. Uh, Just to let you know what we're going to be doing today, we're going to give you an insight into exactly what happens in the newsroom. I will be speaking to some of our writers. Uh, Jack Lang, for example, is going to be coming on to speak about uh, Jedson Fernandez, who's just signed from Benfica to Tottenham. And Michael Bailey's going to come on and talk about Norwich. Why aren't they spending when they're in so much trouble? Uh, Matt Woosnam's going to be coming on. He's uh, just a couple of yards away from me now uh, at the moment. Uh, is Wilfred Zahar going to go anywhere or is everyone just uh, plotting for a big exit in the summer? And we'll also... Uh, be speaking to Amy Lawrence about Arsenal. We'll speak to one of our editors as well uh, to explain how we approach the transfer window. Okay, let's uh, get started then. And our first guest has just uh, scuttled over from his uh, from his desktop uh, to speak to me. It is uh, Charlie Scott, who is uh, one of the editors here at The Athletic. Charlie, it's, it's great to have you with us. Is, is this a bit of a pain, having the podcast going on when you're trying to do work? No, not at all. I mean, it makes it feel a bit more like an office. It's yeah. good. It's yeah. good to be here. It's great to be here. And it's, I mean, just explain, you know, where we are, what happens, who's in here, and just give, just paint the picture if you can. So there's a team of editors. We've got staff editors, including myself, which is there's normally five or six of us in each day. And then you've got the sub-editors as well. So the staff editors... Their job is to deal with all the reporters like yourself, having those conversations in the morning and what you're working on, the stories that you're chasing, the interviews you're chasing, that kind of thing. And then we make the decision about doing the headlines, choosing the pictures, all of that kind of thing. And I mean, the the fact that it's such sort of comprehensive coverage, especially of of the Premier League, and there are, you know, other teams covered below the Premier League and also there's you know European writers there's uh, women's football writers as well we'll be touching on on that a little bit later on with with Kieran Taven by the way um there's so much so much content to, to sort of to get through each day it's quite a challenging job is it not it is yeah I certainly care more about players like Lewis Graben than I did <laughs> say 12 months ago um, but it's actually really nice I've taken far more of an interest in not just Premier League football but yeah it's just we're in a great position where we've got a reporter at each club and they all just do such a great job finding out information that other people don't have the time to either look into or, or ask for and yeah it's just the the breadth and depth of the coverage is great. And how does it change being in the in the transfer window is there a sort of a an approach specifically from the athletic how things are done or is it just a matter of right we'll, we'll just cover it as and when it as it as and when it happens well the big thing about our transfer window coverage is we just want to be we want to be right we don't want to be spreading rumors that are just yeah. wildly inaccurate so we have a thing called the transfer tracker which gets updated every time we have a story that we are confident is right we'll we'll double check it say there's i mean an example of this might be that um a premier league club have been linked with a player in the bundesliga so the reporter from that club might ring in and say oh i've heard that wolves are interested in so and then we'll say why don't you talk to rafa honokstein who's our bundesliga expert 
and then we check it from both ends and then if that's if we're confident in the story we'll take 300 400 words we'll put it at the top of this transfer tracker we'll update the picture update the headline update the publish time so that will go to the top of people's feeds on the app and we're updating that as we go over the month and that's just the best place for our subscribers to keep on top of the transfers that we believe are going to happen all the latest updates on transfers that aren't going to happen and i suppose just a final point it, it i suppose it's the perfect opportunity to to be digging deeper on things which the athletic prides itself in doing at a time when there is just so much information flying around sometimes you can just pause and say well now hold on we'll concentrate on doing this the best we can rather than just sort of speculating exactly i mean uh, there, there's an example from today Jedson fernandez going on loan to tottenham it's Jedson. it's got a, it's Jedson. it's Jedson. sorry adam <laughs> um but yeah no Jedson fernandez he'd been linked with a number of clubs in the premier league he looked certain to join west ham i think it was last week we didn't jump on that instead we took the time to prepare a detailed background on fernandez for when if and when he did move to the Premier League, which was put together by Jack Lang, who's got brilliant sources in Portugal. And then as soon as that was announced, we were able to publish that backgrounder this morning, and it's a brilliant read. You know what? That is a perfect little segue, because he is here uh, in the office. Jack, come over here, and we're going to uh, get a little bit more information on your Jedson Fernandez article. Charlie, thanks very much for speaking to us. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I'll let you get back to your, uh, to your computer. Absolute pleasure, Adam. Thanks. No problem. Just hand over the mic to uh, to Jack. Let's bring him straight in. Hello, Jack. Hi, Adam. How are you? I'm very, very well indeed. This is quite nice, isn't it? Just sitting on a, on a sofa in the office. Very leisurely, yeah. Yeah. So tell us all about Jedson and, and what people can read more about in your article. Firstly, congrats on the pronunciation. Thank you. Uh, very slick. Basically, I think he's he's an interesting, if slightly strange transfer. I mean, firstly, an 18-month loan deal is not particularly common, I would suggest. Mm-hmm. It's got the fingerprints of Georges Mendes on it, which uh, I think will raise a few eyebrows. And certainly, I mentioned in my piece that uh, in the Portuguese press, to some extent, they say they see this deal as uh, slightly... Well, a coup, really, because he was, you know, Jetson Fernandez is someone who was really out of favour at Benfica. Obviously, they've got him uh, off their books as an option to buy at the end of the deal for a fairly inflated figure. Uh, so I've seen, well, one columnist in Portugal suggested this this would be a good moment to build a statue to Jorge Mendes for, for arranging this deal, really. Uh, that isn't to say he can't offer anything to Spurs. I think he's, he's got a lot of potential. But over the last year a player who's seen as a bit of a wonder kid has kind of gone off the boil a bit. So it's, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see how it pans out. So the, the fact that it's got the fingerprints of Jorge Mendes on it, is this Jose Mourinho getting a, a favour from his agent uh, over the club that you would perhaps expect to get the most of his connections, i.e. Wolves? Was he ever favoured to go to go there rather than to Tottenham? I don't have any behind-the-scenes information. I mean, I certainly saw him linked to, to Wolves and to West Ham, of course. It, he's a player who's, whose name has been doing the rounds for a little while now, and that is because he, he wasn't really featuring in the first team. So he made his breakthrough uh, a year and a half ago-ish, and then Benfica had a change of manager. He didn't really impress the new manager. Only started three league games the whole of last year, which is a bit of a concern. But I think the Mourinho factor is an interesting one. I think Mourinho likes players who he can he can mould really so just pronounce Mourinho there again Mourinho oh 
Oh, Mourinho. That's a game changer, isn't it? Is that? Can I adopt that, or will I? Will I be? A I think you'll sound a bit silly. Okay, fine. You carry I, on. I can pull it off. Right, as you go on. So I think he's someone. Uh, he, he's a real all-rounder. He's not. You know, you look at the Spurs midfield, and I think you see a lot of. Uh, specialist so you've got Harry Winks who's a great passer but maybe not strong in the tackle maybe not massively athletic you've got Musa Sissoko who's very explosive but isn't necessarily positionally very uh, diligent all the time and then obviously you've got Ndombele who's a great player but is always injured at the moment I think Jedson the way I see it he's someone who can kind of partner with any of those players and make it work he's he's decent on the ball he's a good passer but he's also athletic very uh, aggressive covers ground well I don't think he's perhaps not nine or ten out of ten in any category but he's sevens across the board maybe and Mourinho I think likes those players and if the player feels like he's been rescued from from limbo as it were in Benfica he's going to be only uh, even more keen to impress Mourinho so that kind of relationship will be key in how it develops. Jack thank you very much for coming on Pleasure. Just because you've raised a couple of things, I'm going to pull Charlie away from doing a, a Q&A. Charlie Eccleshare, who's going to join us. Uh, Jack, thanks for coming on, by You're the way. Welcome. Charlie's just sat a couple of yards away from me. He's just walking over now. He was in the middle of answering a question from uh, someone doing a, a Q&A. So blame Adam if I yeah, don't answer. Yeah, exactly. That. If there was a pause or, or if it yeah. doesn't quite yeah, carry through. Yeah, it does through. kind of make sense. Um, just just on, on Spurs, just a quick point. So we, we, we've seen Jedson arrive. Are we expecting in the next 15, 16 days for there to be flurry of, of further signings? I don't know about flurry. Um, Zaluis, who's the Porto striker, that could happen. Um, slightly surprising one, but he well, he's been considered by the club. Uh, he's been offered to them. And obviously that striker role is, is quite a hard skill set to find because mm-hmm. you're asking someone really to come in as almost like a, a sub-keeper in the long term. You know, you, you know you're going to be playing second fiddle to Kane. Lorente um, was absolutely Lorente was perfect. perfect. He, he, yeah, he was about at the sort of top end of that player. You know, I put him with that sort of him, Giroud, that kind of striker. So it, it is a slightly odd brief, um, but a short-term deal could be the solution. Uh, if they want to just get someone in for the rest of the season and then address what is a really a long-standing issue properly in the summer. So we may well see more signings coming in. Are you sensing in, in anything that you're hearing from from you know behind the scenes or from what Jose Mourinho is saying himself that there are any issues, any sort of um, shoots of unhappiness already growing between Mourinho and Levy? Yeah, well, this is a really interesting one. Um, because Mourinho has uh, repeatedly said that you know he was aware of the situation, that certainly in January Spurs weren't going to be a club that went out and spent big. Uh, I've been told that as well, um, you know, by by sources that yeah, he's he's fine with that. I, I made the analogy on our Spurs podcast that to me it feels a little bit like when you start a relationship and there's this underlying issue that's mentioned and you kind of think, ah, oh, I'll sort of forget about that. I'm sure it'll work itself out over time. And I just wonder if uh, it is one of those things where, yes, Mourinho has been told this is a situation, but he might expect that maybe, you know, as and when they will spend. But um, that's the situation at the moment. Uh, he's still um, understanding of that. So we'll have to see. I think it'll be a while before um, you know we really see if that is the long-term policy and whether there is any friction. Maybe there won't be. But you know, Mourinho is a manager who previously has spent big. So it'll be interesting to see you know, how he copes with potentially not. I don't want to keep you from your Q&A much longer. But just to remind people, 
about the the podcast that you mentioned there the the dedicated spurs podcast when is it when is it out what is it called where can people yeah it? so it's uh, it's called view from the lane and it's me jack pitbrook and james moore and we get together we record on a monday and it's out first thing tuesday morning uh you can download it from all the normal podcast places and if you're a subscriber best to listen to it on the app because then you get the full ad free experience Charlie, thank you very much. Thank you. Go and finish off that answer. <laughs> Jolly good. Right, so what we're going to do now is um, call over, actually, Kieran Tavum. He's just standing up, leaning against the window, who covers uh, women's football for The Athletic. Just a, a quick one, because people, you know, so much focus on the Premier League um, and the transfer window and deadline day on the 31st of January. There's also a, a transfer window for the women's game. Just to, just outline exactly what's uh, when that ends, first of all. Yeah, it ends on the, the 23rd of January, so it started just after Christmas on the 27th of December. Not quite as much activity as we've seen in the men's game and certainly not the hype, but uh, we've seen a few moves take place and there's probably a few more that are going to uh, to happen before the window closes as well. Does it tend to be, I suppose, similar to the men's game that, that the main focus for transfers is is in the summer? Absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, a lot of teams will will focus on trying to rebuild for a whole season. They don't tend to factor in January too much. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult in the women's game, obviously, because the salaries aren't necessarily always as high. It's kind of difficult sometimes for players to move from one end of the country to the other and, and set up shops somewhere else. So you tend to find a lot of the businesses done in the summer when they have a little bit more time. Teams need to be able to to kind of arrange accommodation and things like that for players that are coming from overseas. So they obviously have more time to do that when uh, when the summer comes around. Is there a much um, angling from you know your sources from from agents from people at, at football clubs do they try and get the message out there about transfers via you or is or is that something that is still developing in in the women's game yeah very much still developing it's actually quite difficult to get um, news and information out of agents so they tend to try and keep things under wraps clubs especially like to keep things under wraps because as i said there's not the money that's in the in the men's game so if a if a piece of transfer news goes out and it's a player that hasn't necessarily completed a move it, it obviously alerts other clubs who maybe have a little bit more financial back and they can nip in at that 11th hour and and maybe swipe that player from under the noses of a club. Um, you know, we broke uh, the news that England international Izzy Christensen uh, was going to go to Everton from Lyon and uh, my understanding is that um, maybe some of the Everton representatives weren't overly happy that that, that one went out. But um, look, she completed the move. It's a great signing for Everton and uh, as I say, um, can be a little bit difficult, still developing very much in the women's game. Okay, Kieran, thank you very much for coming on. My pleasure. If you can pass the microphone over to uh, Matt Woosnam. Hello, Matt. Matt covers uh, Crystal Palace for The Athletic, if you didn't know already. Great to have you on. Um, I mean, we were speaking to Charlie there. We were speaking to Jack a little bit about, about Tottenham, and it wasn't that long ago that Wilf Sahar was, was being linked with a move to, to Tottenham. He seems to have been linked with pretty much every club. And the main focus when people talk about Crystal Palace is when is he going to leave? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's unlikely that he'll leave this uh, this window. You can never say never, but I think there was a period at the start of the season where his form wasn't anywhere near as good as it has been and, and could be. He came back into form sort of in the middle of the season. Obviously, a lot going on with him um, in the summer with with the uh, fir- his first major tournament with the Afcon, African Cup of Nations, and and changing agent and well splitting from his agent and uh, now having. Uh, moved over, believe, to uh, Pini Shahavi. Mm. Um, but I think you know, if, if there is a move for, for Wilfred Saha, then it's much more likely to be in the summer than it is this window. So do you think that the, the, you know, the 
the fact that he has gone with Pini Zahavi is basically an acknowledgement that he's been given a six-month run-in to get a cast-iron, big deal, done and dusted, sorted, ready to go when he can... Because I remember being at the... I was covering it for, for Talk Sport on the, on the radio. The last game of last season when they played Bournemouth, is yeah. that right? There was 100 goals in the game. It, all, it was great. It was really entertaining. He had his wave goodbye. It all looked as if it was going to happen, and then it didn't. This time, he's not going to want to have another crazy summer window is he no absolutely not I think you know this is he's made it clear that he wants to leave and I think you can understand that he wants to test himself at, at the highest level um you know with like a Champions League club or potentially even a, a club in the Europa League but I think realistically for the the money that Palace are, are going to want for him which is sort of in the 70 to 80 million pound region mark um you know I think for that sort of money you really looking at a Champions League club um, hoping that for him for him you know, in his perspective it'll be hoping that a Champions League cup comes in for him um, you know, potentially he could even go abroad I, I'm not convinced that would be the best move for him um, I think staying in England and, and playing in England would be the best move for him but he certainly is looking to to move away from Palace but equally I think he will give his best on the pitch for Palace there may be things that affect him that, that might not mean that he is at his best but I think he will always try his best on the pitch and certainly he needs to do that otherwise he won't get that move Indeed Matt Thank you very much for coming on. Um, in the background, whilst we were talking Crystal Palace, you may have heard a, a flutter of, of laughter in the background, and that was uh, Amy Lawrence and uh, Laura Williamson just coming back from a, a little meeting that they were having. No, it's absolutely fine. We're live in the, in the, uh, in the newsroom, Amy. Come over, because there's been a few questions uh, about uh, Arsenal. Um, Matt, thanks very much. He's walked off. Amy's joined me on the sofa. Hello, this is all very good. Hi, It's like being on breakfast TV or something. <laughs> um, if only. So... Quite a few people have, have sent in questions about Arsenal. We move AFC, Mikel's R&W. So what is going on? Is, is Arteta, has he come in with a clear sort of set of demands or is it, is it a check and watch sort of thing and then we'll, we'll learn more about where he wants to, to move in the summer? I think that um, the way uh, Arsenal operate, and it was interesting that Raul Sanyehi, who remains the sort of chief, powerhouse uh, in terms of, of deals around Arsenal made it abundantly clear when he first uh, had that power that January is not his favourite time. The other thing he made abundantly clear which is pertinent is um, and the background to this is about Aaron Ramsey coming down to the end of his uh, contract and there was a lot of talk about how Arsenal should avoid this kind of situation and uh, Raul said Players come into the last two years of their contract, that's the time. I mean, this is like standard practice. This is our baseline. When there's two years to go, you sign, you leave. Those are the only two options. And the tiny exceptions to this are um, players of a certain age, you know, if you're kind of quite well into your 30s, where they might make a bit of a, a, a bit of wriggle room. You know, it, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, Aubameyang sticks around a bit longer and then, you know, are you going to stay for another year or see your contract out? Maybe, maybe. But as a general rule, and this is particularly pertinent with Lacazette and Aubameyang, that when you're coming up to that two years to go period, which they both are, um, it's, it's, it's crunch time. So it's not right now crunch time. I think Arsenal are in a position where if they even entertained a bid for either of them this January, they would be insane. So uh, I, do, I do think that it informs the summer, though, um, that I think with both those players, they will be a, a, a case of will you stay 
or if you won't, if you won't, we're not going to let you be running down your contract while you're a valuable asset. Is it important this this window, though? I suppose in terms of a subplot that the players that might have been thinking about moving away in the build-up under under Emery, for example, now have an opportunity to assess their own thinking towards Arteta, and if he comes in and impresses then they can, they can be convinced to stay. 100%. And I think particularly those two, they're at an age where it's the last big contract. Yeah. That's a massive incentive uh, in either direction. When you've got to either get a good enough deal from Arsenal or, or mm. elsewhere. Um, but also, as individuals, you know, these are two experienced, respected players of high calibre who, when you look at their honours uh, uh, section of the Wikipedia page, it's underwhelming stuff, mm. you know, mm. for players of their caliber to have won, say, one French cup or, or whatever it might be, or one German cup. Um, so I think that, you know, there is change coming, but January is probably not that time. Where the, uh, uh, This time last year, Arsenal desperately needed some reinforcements defensively. They'd lost uh, uh, Rob Holding, Callum Chambers to season-ending injuries, which Arsenal are still feeling the effects of. Plus, Danny Welbeck was out for a long period and ended up leaving the club. And the, the urgency from the defensive point of view was so clear. And yet they went and signed a kind of flaky winger in Denis Suarez mm. on loan from Barcelona. But they, may, you know, they, they were only interested, really, in loan situations. Arsenal's finances are such that they're, they're just not really in the business of throwing massive money around right now. I think that's so unlikely. Um, if something that Arteta felt was going to be an absolute game changer turned up and was out of what would be an ordinary kind of few million they might they might put towards a loan signing at this time of year the conversations would be had uh Raul Sanyehi and the rest of the football executive committee including Edu and and so on would go to the Cronkies and have that conversation the chances of it getting on the line are probably on the slim side, but they're not afraid to, to talk about it or think about it because if there's something exceptional in football, you have to look at it. Mm. And Arsenal are not immune to that. Whether they tackle the problems that the squad faces, there are probably a few too many for them to, to, to really uh, manage at this, at this point of the season. I think Arteta will have to largely make do with what he inherited. And the bigger conversations in terms of what he wants and needs to make genuine progress with the club, that's going to be addressed in, 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 in the summer. Just remind us where we can hear more from you in terms of Arsenal podcasting on The Athletic. Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm very much enjoying being a part of the Handbrake Off podcast, which is myself and James McNicholas from mm -hmm. The Athletic, mm -hmm. uh, joined by uh, Arsenal legend and uh, um, defensive specialist Lee Dixon, who is never shy coming forward and uh, making comments about the state of Arsenal's <laughs> back four. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're hosted by the comedian Ian Stone, who who gives us all a few laughs along the way, sometimes at his expense. It's good, really good fun um, doing it. And for those who feel like listening to more, come on in. Nice one. Amy, thank you very much Cheers, for coming Amy. on. And it's interesting, Amy, talking there about players perhaps actually looking at a new manager coming in, raising their game. And then that means that they are actually retained in the squad when it might have appeared that they were going to be surplus to requirements. And that's happened actually at Watford and 
that leads me on to a couple of questions that's been asked because I'm hosting and I put out that tweet. People have been asking me about Watford. Obviously, they, they secured the signing of Ignacio Pacetto the other day in a wing position. A lot of people are still asking about defenders. Uh, my understanding, and we've seen that uh, uplift in performance from a lot of the defenders uh, is that there isn't going to be any further strengthening unless, like Amy said, there is something exceptional that presents itself and they may well take a stab on it in the uh, final couple of weeks of this transfer window. Um, we've got, I think, just a little bit more time just to grab a couple more of our uh, writers. Carl Anker's trying to uh, avoid my gaze, stood there in a fantastic coat, pops down his Fanta, strolls over, and presented with a microphone, he's not going to turn it down. Carl Anker, if you don't know, uh, works for The Athletic covering Southampton. I think we were sort of in the same boat thinking, what on earth have we got ourselves into? I was covering Watford, you were covering Southampton, we both couldn't win a game, but it all seems to be a lot better now. But focusing on the, on the transfer window... What what is going on? Is, is, there, is there any need to strengthen? Yes, very much so. Uh, so Ralph Hassel has mentioned two or three times, most recently our fan forum uh, on the 8th of January, that fullback is the priority. So he very much needs to get uh, either reinforcements or someone to share minutes with his right back, Cedric Suarez, and his left back, Ryan Bertram. He doesn't believe his current left back personnel. So the under-23 player, Jake Vokens, he says isn't quite ready for Premier League football and right back you've got Cedric Suarez who's a free agent at the end of the summer and then you've got Jan Valerie who currently has glandular fever so may not play again okay. until the end of the season but even if Jan Valerie comes back he Jan Valerie is probably best playing in a back three or a back five uh, and at the moment Ralph is persisting with his uh, 4-2-2-2 formation so he needs a right back to share minutes with Cedric as well and just one other quick question in the current market how much is Danny Ings worth <laughs> Uh, you've got a goal-scoring English centre-forward who's mm. creating chances of his own accord and is converting stuff uh, at a higher rate than everyone apart from Oba in Arsenal. So uh, yeah, 50 million. Go on then. 50 mil? 50 mil. Easy. <laughs> okay, done. Brilliant. Carl, thanks very much for coming on. Um, and one final quick word from Andy Naylor, who's just walked in. Uh, we're going to talk about Brighton, Andy. Thanks for coming on, Carl. Andy, hello. Hello. What's going on at Brighton then? Not a lot at the moment, right. although I think a lot of it is going to revolve around Glenn Murray's future yeah. and whether he ends up going or not and whether they get in a striker who replaces Glenn, which they're after from abroad, a younger, mobile version of Glenn, really. Obviously, a lot of, play a lot of players will, will maybe pick a London um, club because it brings you to London. Brighton is also a very attractive proposition, isn't it? And they've got that lovely training ground, beautiful stadium. It's a lovely place to be. Have you known players to, to choose Brighton because they've been very impressed with what they've they've seen first and foremost I think so now they're in the position where they've got the facilities and of course the geography makes them an attractive proposition there's actually an awful lot of ex-players at Brighton who still live in the area which I you know I think is significant it's very much like Norwich as well <laughs> Norwich is is a place where where players go yeah they often stay and I've almost forgotten that we are going to speak to Michael, Michael Bailey <laughs> about Norwich and if you want to just yep. hand over your Mike to uh, Michael. I'd forgotten about you, Michael, to be honest. But you just you just swung around, and I managed to link Brighton to Norwich. That's what happens in Norwich, isn't it? All the Norwich players that go there, they go, I love this place, North Norfolk, 
beautiful. I'm going to live here. It is. It's only wonder I've managed to make it down to London today, to be honest. But yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> to drag yourself away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the problem is, at the moment, they're not giving themselves an opportunity to impress anyone because they're not signing any players. Just explain. Because people see, from the outside looking in, Norwich, barely any points. It's still 14, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> not signing uh, any players. Why are they not fighting? Why are they not throwing the checkbook at it? Explain Stuart Webber's approach to this because it will clarify any fears, criticisms, misconceptions. Yeah, I think um, predominantly if Norwich wrote a check, it, it probably would bounce because they are relying solely on Premier League income to, um, to fund what they're doing. And they've got um, only really what they've got left over from the summer and what they, they might then secure from the rest of this season's revenue to secure against any signings. And they don't want to do anything that they can't um, account or be able to pay for if they're relegated. It's what makes this window so difficult for them off the back of such a wretched run because they look cut adrift. It's very difficult to have any sort of a gamble when you're in such a perilous position and you haven't got an owner or anyone investing into the club who says, here's a load of extra money, we'll make sure uh, we get you over the line or maybe this will make a difference. I mean, Norwich, I think in the summer, they made a conscious decision to back the players they got that got them the championship title. Um, with hindsight, maybe it needed one or two better signings, mm. maybe a few million here or there, because their recruitment and their scouting has been excellent. They've mm. they've really pinpointed who. And I, I just wonder if maybe they made a few decisions, possibly in the summer, where it's like, well, no, let's let's back what we've got, um, and then obviously it it then becomes a bit harder to do anything different in January when it hasn't hasn't worked out. So I think maybe the missed opportunities were in the summer. They'll still be hoping there's a, an air of the players continuing to learn and develop so that they have a much better second half of the season. Uh, but clearly the level they now need to make that actually a, a chance of staying up is, uh, is, is going to be very difficult for them. And who do you think, just finally, is a cast iron certainty if they don't go now to go in the summer? It's a really good question. Uh, it's going to depend who, who bids for who and how much, obviously. But uh, in my opinion, having watched them, I think Emmy, the Emmy Buendia we've seen yeah. probably in the last six weeks, uh, I honestly think he's been the best player on the pitch most weeks. And that takes into account who Norwich has been coming up against. He looks a class apart. There's obviously things for him to improve, but he's so young and so talented. Um, I, I think Norwich would do well to keep him even if they stayed up at this point. Michael, thank you very much for coming on. Always a pleasure, Adam. I don't know how we've done this, but we've actually ended the podcast with the bottom club. That's quite good, isn't it? Isn't that brilliant? Um, just to remind everyone, um, thank you very much for, for sending in your questions. Um, do keep them coming in throughout the week, Monday to Friday, for our, our Transfer Daily podcasts. Uh, on Monday and Tuesday, it's Jackie Oatley who hosts. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday, it's me and then Caroline Barker. Uh, takes the reins on Friday uh, just send them in to us uh, use the at the athletic UK handle or the various people that are going to be hosting and then you'll get your questions asked and also if you haven't subscribed fully to the athletic as yet uh, you can use the discount code UK pod and that will give you a 40% discount uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh, today's show it's been a little bit different you've enjoyed uh, being here in the newsroom and I'm going to see if people are actually listening uh, we can have a group goodbye from the athletic uh, newsroom just to uh, wish you all the very very best ladies and gents goodbye. Goodbye. brilliant we'll cut that out excellent all the best <laughs> <laughs>